last week, uh, we talked about, um, as we start to hopefully get back to normal, uh, we talked about um, our history as a church and we talked about uh, some of the high points and some of the, uh, the, the, the times when God really spoke to us and God really met with us. Because if we want to know where we're going, it's usually good to look back. And we reminded ourselves that that's what the people of Israel did. They stopped to celebrate God's goodness in the past. And that helped them to understand his promises in the present and his promises for the future. Uh, well, I want to continue uh, part two, uh, but not talk about our history, but just talk a little bit more and flesh out because I know that a number of you are new to us. At the first service, nearly everyone I met um, was new. Just out of interest, ha- just put your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. If you've joined the church in the last 18 months and if you feel like this is, this is your church, great. A whole bunch of you. There you go. There you go. Some of you are a bit like that, but that doesn't matter. I see you. And, uh, and I'm going to have, um, I have noted who you are. And I'll, at the end of the service, I'm going to come round to you with standing order forms. Uh, that's, that's a joke. <laughs> Not funny. And uh, for those of you that are new, but also for the rest of us, just to remind us. And what I want to, uh, the, the title of this is, uh, what kind of church does Jesus want to build? Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against her. And uh, Jesus, every now and then, he tragically has to remind me that it's his church, not my church. That he's in charge, not me. And that it's what he wants, not what I want. And that our job in leadership is to listen to him and to obey, whether we like it or not whether we initially agree or not, because um, when we disagree with God, so far, he's always been right. He's always been right, and we've always been wrong. So what kind of church is Jesus wanting to build? And um, I haven't wanted to do this talk, I'll be honest with you, uh, because there's going to be one or two little tough things. And I nearly chickened out first thing this morning. And I nearly did a really great talk on the life of Elijah, which I got from solitude and silence. (laughs) Uh, But I just felt that if I I missed this, I I just knew I'd be disobedient. So here we go. If we want to know what kind of church God is wanting to build, one of the first places we go to is Acts chapter 2. And right at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, we see the Spirit poured out. It's called by many the birthday of the church, the day the church was born. Um, And there might be a lot of truth in that. Uh, But when the Spirit was poured out, there were certain things that happened. And the first thing that happened was they worshipped. They worshipped. They spilled out into the streets spontaneously It was not an evangelistic program, declaring the wonders of God in many different languages that they hadn't learned. It was an overflow. And that's the first thing that always happens when the Spirit comes. When the Holy Spirit comes, his main job, his main role, the thing he loves the most is to reveal the Father and the Son. And when the Father and the Son are revealed to us, we, our, our, our instinctive response is to worship, is to adore, is to give praise and thanksgiving, just as we were doing 
just as we were doing this morning. And I don't know about you, but since we've been back singing the last couple of weeks, it's like, oh, oh, I didn't realise how I longed for this. And is it just me or do we sat, does it seem like we're singing a lot louder than we used to? Yeah, it's not just me, is it? I don't know what it is. Maybe there's angels joining us. Not that they wouldn't have done before. Anyway, that's a theological point I'm not going to go into now. Uh, but, but the first thing that happens is we worship. We adore him. We adore him. But when they worshipped out on the streets, a crowd gathered and they heard the gospel and 3,000 became Christians that day. So wait a minute, that was witness. That was evangelism. Well, was it worship or witness? It was both. It was both. Because the one springs out of the other. If our witness doesn't come out of our worship, isn't an overflow of our worship, we just sound like secondhand car salespeople. We just sound like insurance salesmen. You know, but when it comes out of our worship, we sound like lovers telling others of what we love. And I don't know if you've ever been around anyone who's just fallen in love. Trying to have a normal conversation with them is, is, is impossible. Because they always, without trying, they always bring it back to the one they love. We always have to talk about her or him. Now, once they've been married for a few years, it's not a problem. But, <laughs> but at the beginning, when they first fall in love, it's like, and no one's telling them, now, 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 now you've fallen in love. You, you must tell people about Alice. The world needs to know about Alice. And they're not thinking, oh no, this is so embarrassing. I've got to witness to Alice. No, they can't stop themselves. They can't stop themselves. And that's how it should be with us and Jesus. Our witness is an overflow of our worship. That is how it works. But then I want to turn to the end of Acts chapter 2 because this is the nitty gritty. From verse 42 onwards, Acts chapter 2, I want to read this and talk about it and then we're going to pray. They devoted themselves. I'm going to stop there. They devoted themselves. Before we go any further, they were devoted. They were devoted to the Lord. And I've said this before, we've said this before, we long that we as a church over the coming months would be known, you know, not for our great administration or our great preaching or our great, or our great meals or our great any of that or the great good looks of our leaders, although that might be there somewhere. Uh, but I long that we would be known as a church that loves Jesus. And it's not about being known for that. I long that that would be our reputation because that is the truth. If we are devoted to Jesus, and devotion to Jesus means not just that you have gooey feelings about him. It means so much more than that. It, mean, it results in obedience. Devoted people will do anything, will go anywhere. And we want to be that people. We long to be that people who will walk in devotion devotion to him. So they devoted themselves. Here's where it gets practical. To the apostles' teaching. What's the apostles' teaching? It's the teaching of scripture. 
It's the truth. To, to devote ourselves to Jesus. It's got to be the real Jesus. It's got to be the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. We want to be a people who are of the Word and the Spirit. The Word is true. And we live in a culture that is, that, where there's so much alienation from what the truth of the Scripture is. We live in a culture that lives very differently. And it's a real battle. It's a real battle to hold on to truth. Uh, and to hold on to Jesus in this culture because no one likes to be unpopular. No one likes to go against the flow. No, no, no one, not many people, there's one or two that enjoy being cantankerous. But most of us, most of us, um, we, we want to be accepted. We don't want to seem odd. And yet there are certain things. We, we belong to a different kingdom our first, our first allegiance, your first allegiance as a Christian is not to England. It is not to the United Kingdom. Mine is not to Cyprus. It's to the kingdom of God. We belong to another kingdom. And that means, and I'm not to, I love this country. I love my country. I was cheering, I was, I was crying when we lost the final. And not just that, but I, I love my country. But my first allegiance belongs somewhere else. And we have more in common with our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world who are truly our brothers and sisters than we do with those who are in our nation who are not our brothers and sisters. And it's not that loving your country is wrong, it's right, it's good. But it's what comes first. And, and there's many other things like that where God's word needs to challenge us when it comes to so many things. You know, the, the reason we need to we worship is, is because he's worthy, is because he's good, but because it's the antidote to idolatry. Why worship? Because we're human beings. Human beings worship. Every human being worships. The thing is, if you don't worship God, you'll find something else or someone else to worship. You know, some people worship money and, and success. Other people worship material possessions, homes and cars. Some people, um, they, they worship status. If I can get there, I'll be, I'll be great. Some people worship other people. There are some poor people, would you believe, have nothing better to worship and so they worship themselves that's really sad and the thing is this worship it kills us it kills us an idol is whatever we love more than Jesus and that includes good things most of our idols are good things that we love more than Jesus they're good things Manchester United to support Manchester United is a good thing. It's a correct thing. It's a right thing. But if I love Manchester United more than Jesus, even something as wonderful as that can become an idol and can take me away from him. C.S. Lewis once said, idols have a habit of destroying the lives of those who worship them. And that's what idols do. Pretty much anything we worship will eat us alive. 
will eat us for breakfast. If we worship money and possessions, we will never have enough. If we worship beauty and sexual allure, we will feel ugly. If we worship power, we will feel weak and afraid. If we worship intelligence, we will end up feeling stupid. Now, none of those things are bad in themselves. It's when we put them first. It's when they become the most important thing. Then what they do is they destroy us. And when we worship Jesus, as we have been doing, it breaks the power of the enemy's hold over our lives. When we worship, when we worship, we're breaking the power of the enemy. Idols enslave us. Jesus sets us free to be who we really are. When we worship, we are bearing witness to the principalities and powers that we cannot be bought. That we cannot be bought. The, they devoted themselves, I'm going to speed up, I promise. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. I know we've been talking about this and trying to live this out for a long time. But you know, when we love God, we, we love one another. That's how it works. There's the great commandment to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And the new commandment to love one another as he loves us. And so church is about being family. Church is about being community. And that's why we do so much of what we do. And what we want to be in this church is a community of communities. Now, there's well over 1,200 of us, apparently, in this church, uh, in, in, in all the, the different things. Now, none of us can know everyone. We can't all be intimate friends with everyone. But we can be a community of communities. That's what connect groups are about. That's what a lot of these social events are about. That's what when we serve on a particular team, you get to know people on the team. And we do life together. We do life together. And, and I'll say more about that in a moment. No, I'll say more about that now. I might as well get it over with. Um, coming out of lockdown... I've talked to so many vicars, pastors, ministers, church leaders who are baffled and puzzled and stressed and feel failures. Many of them. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had. And the truth is, it's much harder leading a church out of lockdown than leading a church into lockdown. Because leading into lockdown, it was kind of easy. Well, we have to stop. So now we're just going to tell you we have to stop and let's see how we can be in touch and all of that. But leading out of lockdown, everyone's at a different stage. Everyone's at a different place. And we've got to love each other. And we've got to prefer each other. And we've got to be kind to each other. And we've got to, and we've got to go at a pace that for, for all of us because we're a family. Because we're a family. And I know that a number of folk... Um, can't yet come back to church. And I just want to say to those of you that are watching on live stream, there's a whole bunch of you, there's a lot more of you watching on live stream than are here. Last week's, we've already had over 6,000 views of last week's sermon, last week's service. 
and virtually 6,000 of the week before. And I know that a number of you watch from different countries um, because you, you, you send us emails and you message us to tell us. And there are lots of good reasons to watch on live stream. There are lots of very good reasons. And it's a privilege that you're with us. It's a privilege. We, we don't take it lightly. We feel amazed and privileged that you should want to take part with us in this way. And uh, some of the reasons are, are like this. Some people are very vulnerable and they just don't feel ready to come back to church. They feel very nervous. And I completely understand that. That's completely understandable. And it's like, I'm, I just, I'm just not ready yet. And after 18 months, it can feel freaky to suddenly be back. Um, even two weeks ago, when, when we first took our masks off, I felt weird. You know, it was like, gosh, this feels, this, this doesn't feel right. Uh, and and I, underst I understand that completely. Then there are others who um, you're waiting until September, uh, the beginning of the new year. And maybe you, you're on holiday or, or you're waiting. And I can understand until our children's work is more up and running uh, because you don't want to bring your kids and have them screaming their heads off and bored out their skulls um, and you stressed out of your mind. There are others who are watching on live stream uh, for the good reason um, that you're not well enough to come to church, that you have a, a disability of some sort. And I, it's a privilege. We're going to continue our live stream. We're going to live stream every 11.30 service for, for good. Well, for as long as, unless the Lord tells us otherwise, our plan is to continue to do this. And we value that and we want to serve you. Uh, there are a number of other reasons why folk watch on live stream, but there's one reason, and I'm just being really honest, and I just feel I need to say this as God's servant that worries me, and I've heard it from leader after leader. Now, it's less in our church. I haven't heard it very much, but I'm sure it is. But, and this is the, the reason that worries me. Folks saying things like, do you know what? It's wonderful having my Sunday back. It's wonderful having, oh, my life was too busy. It was too cluttered. I love rolling out of bed, sitting on the settee and watching church in my PJs. I love, I love, um, I love not having the hassle of trying to get my kids dressed, get them in the car, drive them to church, put them in the children's work and, and then get them out and then get them home and then cook lunch which is exhausting. I understand that. I really, really do. And there are others who have said, one, one couple who lead a church in South London said to me that um, a number of their middle-aged men uh, are now saying that they, they've, they've discovered going for bike rides on Sunday mornings. So they would rather do that um, on Sunday morning. And I understand that. I understand why you would want to watch church at home rather than come and be. But that's wrong. It's wrong. Because church is a family and you don't make friends over live stream. You can't be known over live stream. You can't you can't, you can't have people encouraging you and challenging you and weeping with you and rejoicing with you over live stream. 
You can't share a family meal properly over live stream. You can't be known over live stream. It becomes a consumer event. And the writer to the Hebrews says, do not neglect the practice of meeting together as is the habit of some for a good reason. For a good reason. And I understand that last reason. But my worry, and I say it because I, honestly, because I care. I really do. I'd rather not say this, I promise you. But I say it because I care. You keep doing that and then after a while, you roll out of bed and you've missed the beginning. And then after a while, you think, oh, yeah, I've missed the worship. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, or after, after a, a few months, it'll be, oh, I'll just fast forward to the talk um, if it's me preaching. If it's Andy preaching, it'll be, I'll, I'll just watch the worship. I know how it works. I'm not stupid. And it may be that after a while you think, oh, you know what, I missed it. I'll watch it later on in the day. And then a while later it's, I'll watch next week's. I'll just miss a week. And then it'll be, I'll watch it once a month. And then it might be, I'll watch it at Christmas and Easter. Church isn't something you watch. Church is who we are together. It really is. Now hear me. There are lots of great reasons why to, to watch over live stream. I don't want you to stop. But I want to say, if, if you can and when you can, don't get out of the habit. Don't forget what it's like. We forget. I remember someone said to me this morning, you know, it's only the last two weeks where we've had the Mexican meal and we've had other things. I suddenly realized, wow. Isn't it great to have fellowship? Isn't it great to be back in the family? I don't want you to miss out. Well, whatever church you're part of. I know a number of you, you go to a, your church and then for some bizarre reason you join us on ours as well, which is a privilege and wonderful. But go to your church. Go to your church as soon as you can. As soon as it's back up and running. For your sake. For your sake. Because the church is a family on a mission. We are a family on a mission. We are here not only for our sake, but for the sake of others. I'm going to go really, really quickly now um, to the breaking of bread. We're devoted to the breaking of bread. And, and that means we're devoted to remembering the work of Jesus on the cross. Uh, we're devoted. We, I, I love how many songs we sang this morning. I didn't say to Tom, I didn't know what he was, what he was choosing. Uh, so many songs about the cross and so many songs. I love the songs that tell the story of Jesus, the story of the gospel. And there's the, I don't know about you, but there's one line that kills me every time. I, I, I have to fight the tears. Um, uh, what was that line about Jesus in the tomb all alone? Tom? Messiah still and all alone. Whoever wrote that line is a genius. Messiah still and all alone. He did it for us. We devote ourselves to that. And to prayer. To be a people of prayer. To be a people of prayer, not just telling him what we want and our list, our shopping list. But being a people who listen as well as speak. Being a people who, who have a relationship 
rather than talk at him. And that takes time to develop, together and apart. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now later on in the book of Acts, it wasn't just the apostles that performed the wonders and signs. And that's one of the other things that we want to put a stake in the ground and say we want to be and continue to be a church that is open to the leading and the power of the Spirit because people need to be set free and they won't be set free by our cleverness, by our intelligence, by our good looks, by our sophistication, by our humour or anything else. It's by the Spirit. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God that sets people free. So in the autumn, we're going to do a little series on the gifts of the Spirit. And if you don't speak in tongues, we're going to fix that. We want to pray that there be a release in prophetic ministry in this church, in healing ministry healing of the heart and healing of the body. We want this to be a place where, where God dwells in power as well as love. And he wants to do it through his people. He wants to do it through his church. Many miraculous signs and wonders performed by the church and in the church together, together. All the believers were together, I'm coming into land, and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to gave, give to anyone who had need. That is another mark of the church of Jesus. We're to be a church that is generous. A, a fruit of salvation is generosity. Generosity to one another and generosity to those outside the church. And I'm so not just talking about money, and I'm certainly not talking about money to the church. I'm talking about us being generous in every way. Yes, with our finances, with our hospitality, with our homes, to have open homes, to, to, to bless people well, uh, to be generous with our encouragement. Oh boy, if there's one thing that's needed in this world, it's a generosity of encouragement in a world of discouragement. Do you know what encouragement does? It brings people alive. It makes people believe that they're worth something. It makes people believe that they can do something, that God has called them. And we're to encourage each other, but not just each other. We exist for the sake of others. We exist for the sake of others. We are a family with an open front door and an open back door because we want to be a family for the sake of others, that others can come and find Jesus among us. And we go to where they are and we build bridges to them. And then we walk back with them over the bridge. And we're a family that cares about the world. I love it. I love it that... Um, uh, last week, we, we live village, which is, we've been supporting for years from the beginning, which is uh, a village for AIDS orphans in, near Durban in South Africa. Uh, because of the riots in Durban, they've been struggling and struggling to get food and medicines and everything. And we did a special offering. Last Sunday, Andy announced that 7,700 had been given. I found out on Wednesday it had gone up to 8,900. So I'm sure it's over 9,000 now pounds. I love that. I love that, that we can quickly, like that, bless others and give to others. And in our own town, we want to be good news. We want to be good news. And as a church, as a church, 
God has called us to Watford, but also to serve the wider church for some bizarre reason. For a, for a while, he's given us favor. And we want to do that with all our hearts. We want to do that well. But above all, above all, it's Jesus. We can either be a people who are consumer Christians or a people who are consumed by Jesus. Which is it to be? Let it be the second for all of us. And let's be an encouragement to the wider church of Jesus. As we come back together, let's continue the journey that God has laid out for us in obedience and faith and love. And I just say this to finish because everything I've been praying that none of this would band come up as I finish, give everyone hope. I've been praying like crazy that none of this would come as harsh or judgmental. That's the last thing I want to do. If you're struggling, if you feel you can't be here, that's absolutely, we get it. We love you. We love you. We, 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 we want to... We want to serve everyone who watches on the live stream. We want to serve everyone. We know we're all, we're all broken. We said it last week. So it's not about judging each other. I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us for what the church is meant to be, what the church of Jesus can be. Let's be that church. And let's be that church together.